I invite you to open up to Ephesians. That will be our text today. These are exciting times in the life of our church. The church has been growing. I believe we've been growing not just numerically, but spiritually. Most importantly, spiritually. Amen. And we find ourselves here at the beginning of a new year. And as we looked last year, and again, exciting times. We, after prayerful consideration over a year, our elders um, systematically and patiently uh, prayed and discussed and sought the Lord in how to begin uh, and establish the role of deacons here in our body. And uh, I think it was timely. Amen. And so we're going to look today more not just about those deacons that we instilled, not uh, what was the word we looked at last time? Uh, it was so funny. I'm sorry, Chuck. Indicted, Yeah, we indicted them. That sounds so bad, right? But we instilled them, right? Uh, brought them into the body, uh, laid hands on them, right? And uh, um, made it official, if you will. Uh, and I'm just picking on you, brother. I just thought that was hilarious. So uh, I'm embarrassing myself all the time. So just wanted you to join me a little bit today, I guess. But that's okay, right? That's okay. But today we're going to look at how God is still building His church and how all of us are supposed to be ministers to one another. Remember that word diakonos that we looked at. It originated as just meaning service. And uh, as we learned last week, we talked about the ideal of table service, those who would provide food or clean tables, that sort of thing. It was used generically, and it is used generically throughout the New Testament. But as the church developed, we saw where there were men who were set aside for what we might call an office of the deacon, right? And so we did learn about that. But that does not mean that only deacons serve. In fact, far from it. Deacons do what they do. Elders do what they do. And all of us do what we're called to do as a church body. Amen? And so that's going to be our focus today. Doing what we do and then hopefully doing it well. Amen? And so let's talk about that. And I know that, in fact, if you just look around, we're, we're a little lighter than normal today because there's so much sickness going around. And I did just get an update about our dear brother who was life-flighted last night. I'll give you that at the end of the service when we kill the live stream, all right? Um, uh, but we're waiting for a little bit more information. But they did find the calls. Let me just say that for now. Uh, and so he's out. We've got others who are out with the flu, with that thing, I think, uh, what's it, COVID or something like that, right? We have that. Um, there's strep amongst our body. Uh, there's shingles with some of our people in our bodies. So we have a lot of folks who are out. Now, I know many of them are listening and watching right now, so hello to you out there. Um, but we, as the church body, we are going to see and at least be reminded today that it takes all of us together. I, I try to say things along the lines that this is not, nor was it ever intended to be, the Kevin Inman show. Amen? And y'all are thankful for that. I know y'all are thankful for that. Um, that is not what this is about. And uh, uh, dear brother and I were talking this week, and after the um, direction we started, in, you know, last week with our indicting of the deacons, right, uh, and, and trying to talk about fine-tuning and streamlining and getting everyone involved, uh, someone asked if I was planning on checking out. And uh, that's not the intent. But, you know, the reality is none of us know when the Lord's going to call us home. Amen? Right. Amen? Any of us could be called home at any moment. And so we want to be prepared. My prayer, like I told you last week, I think it'd be great to be preaching and just go to be with the Lord. I think that's a good way to go. Much better, like I said, than driving and falling asleep behind the wheel or falling asleep. Well, that's what they call it when a saint dies, right? But dying behind the wheel. That might be bad for somebody else. 
Um, I think I shared with you last week about almost taking out the Confederate monument last December when I passed out. Um, that would have been a great headline and advertisement for the church. But that's not really a good way to go. But to go preaching the Word of God, I can't think of a better way to go to be with Jesus. Amen? That would be great. But the reality is none of us know when the Lord would call us home. And so we want our church to be able to continue without ever skipping a beat. I mean, you know, let's just say I dropped dead today. I would want you to mourn me for at least three or four years, obviously. But that's a joke. For three or four minutes, perhaps. But someone else will pick up the Word of God and continue right where we left off. Amen? Amen? That's the goal. It's not about any one of us. It's about the Lord Jesus and all of us together. Amen? I'm going to be asking for some amens a lot, so you might as well just warm up your vocal cords, okay? Because this is going to be participatory because it takes all of us. And so what do we do as a church? Well, one of our core values here that we hope to instill this year, in fact, uh, as a reminder, but we're going to do an emphasis this year, is that every member is to be involved in ministry. Every member ministry. In fact, our theme is going to be equipping the saints. And so we're trying to strategically make sure that the body of Christ is prepared for all good works. And we're going to see that this morning. That is our heart's desire as leaders, as elders of this church. And so we're going to seek to do that. The main thing I want you to get today is this. And it's the main point on your outline if you're taking notes. But God's plan is for all His people to serve His church so all the church becomes mature. That's the goal, amen? It's not so we get reports about us on social media or the news, right? Uh, whether it's negative, like running over the Confederate monument, or positive for something that's happening here. It's not about the glory from the world. It's about us honoring the Lord God, amen? And so doing what we're supposed to do and doing it well. So, though we may differ externally, and if you look around, I mean, we do, obviously, right? We all differ. We're short. We're tall. You know, we're thin. We're not as thin. We're thinner, whatever it might be, right? We come from different places. We walk in different circles a lot of time, but we all come together, especially on Sunday mornings, as the body of Christ at Grace Point and Eagle Heights. Amen? And so from no, no, no matter where we're from, wherever we come from, whatever we find ourselves doing, I pray that we will be unified by Christ, um, unified in Christ, and then unified for the glory of Christ. That is the goal. And so let's look at verses 11 and 12. There's a number of things we're going to look at here today. Uh, six, in fact. And I know that sounds like a lot to cut off, uh, to, to chew off here. But uh, we will make our way through these passages verse by verse. And I think building verse upon verse, I think the Lord would have us get through all of these points this morning. And I think we can make that happen. So look at these first two verses, verses 11 and 12. And he, God, gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. Now, I want to go back through that just for a second. We're going to spend a few minutes here. In fact, what you're going to discover is... Here at the beginning, we're going to spend more time on certain points. And as we make our way through, we're going to see where these other later points just pick up and carry forward with the previous point. So we won't have to spend as much time on the others. But this is paramount to our understanding this text, these first couple of places. But for us to do that, I want you just to look back. It's not here on the screen, but look back at verse 1 of chapter 4. Hopefully you have your Bible with you. 
Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That is the goal that he's picking up on now. The first three chapters, you'll remember, of the book of Ephesians have to do with doctrine, with theology. Here in verse 1 of chapter 4, he turns the corner now. It's no longer doctrinal, it's now practical theology. So now we have not just our theology, but our walkology. And we did a whole series, took us about 18 months. Miss Kim can correct me, she's always keeping up with how long it takes me to get through books of the Bible, right? But I think it was about 18 months, somewhere, something like that. And we went verse by verse. So we're not going to reteach all of this chapter right now, but just to get us caught up with these verses that we're going to focus on. Remember, he's now turning to the practical point of this, of this book, this letter that he wrote. He writes this about 61 A.D., about 61 A.D., so that's about 61 years or so after Christ's birth, right? And so the church has been, uh, the Holy Spirit came some 30 years or so prior to this time, right? Maybe 27 to 31 years, something like that. Uh, Christ uh, was crucified, dead, buried, uh, rose again. The Holy Spirit was given on the day of Pentecost. And now roughly some 30 years have passed by. Roughly, all right? Give or take a few years. And so Paul, as an apostle to the Gentiles, right? He is now teaching and proclaiming how to live as Christians, how to live as the church. And so this is more practical. And so now he's saying, therefore, based on all the theology, this is how we live and walk as a church body, as Christians. Amen? And so he begins to teach that and how we have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And he begins then using an illustration from the Old Testament, a teaching that had been pointing to Christ. He begins to teach how God's grace is poured out to us. Now here, I don't believe he's talking about the grace of salvation here. I believe he's moving into the idea that as we are saved people, God's Holy Spirit graces us with the ability to have gifts and to serve one another in love. I think that's the corner he's turning now with this therefore and then another therefore in verse 8. When he goes back to that Old Testament ideal. And so he then says in verse 10, He who descended is himself who ascended. In verse 11 now, he picks up where we started. So he's talking about the body of Christ and how Christ has gifted his church to be members and ministers together. Amen? That's the background. That's a whole lot, right? But that is the background and the introduction to help us understand what's being spoken of here. And so he gave some as apostles and some as prophets. Let's stop there for a second. That is foundation work. And there are people today in the church, and I say sadly, who misunderstand this text. And they believe that there are apostles and prophets today. But remember what we learn in Scripture. There were multiple kinds of, of apostles. There were apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are no, none of those today. They had to have been selected by Jesus, Paul being the last one who personally met Jesus, right? They had to have seen Jesus, and they had to have been able to do the works or the, the gifts, the ministries of an apostle. No one is able today to do the supernatural sign gifts that the apostles could do in the first century. There's no one who's been gifted that way. 
Now, you're saying that God is not a miraculous God anymore? That's not biblical. Well, that's not what I'm saying. God can do anything He wants to, amen? But there are no apostles of Christ today. There were also apostles of the church, which would be our equivalent today of a missionary. Someone who's sent by the church out into the world. We have those. But again, we don't call them apostles in our circles. We call them missionaries. They're sent to other places like um, Asia, uh, the Philippines, right? Uh, India, Africa, wherever it may be. Uh, I think I mentioned last week or a couple weeks back, China is actually sending missionaries across the world today. In fact, they consider the United States of America to be a mission field for the church. And I think they're right. The church is messed up as a whole here in America. Amen? Amen? And there are a lot of lost people here, uh, even some who, who may be members of our churches here in America. But we're ever bit as much of a mission field as China or Africa or Asia. But we have missionaries in those places that we send as churches. We support a missionary, Brother Pastor, uh, Brother Pastor, Brother Pastor. Uh, someone used to call me that. That's so funny. Anyway, um, Brother Samuel Kota in uh, India. Uh, pastoring a church there. They've planted works. Uh, there's six or seven uh, pastor training colleges that they've started, and uh, we're a part of that. I mean, it's not to boast, but our contribution every month, our support, our prayers, our love helps to do that. And so that work is going well. Uh, we support work in the Philippines, and uh, there's a, an orphanage there, the Subic Bay Orphanage, or several things. But Apostles of the church are missionaries that are sent from the church. And the third type of apostle that the Bible teaches is, is not a good one. It's a false apostle. An apostle of Satan, whatever you want to call him, but it's a false apostle. Those who claim to be apostles and are not, we read about in some of Paul's epistles. But all of that is just some background still. That's for another time if you want to get into that. But here, I have to explain a little bit about that so that we understand that there is no such thing as a five-fold ministry today. There's not. And I know some churches, and I know godly people who believe that, but they believe so without doing serious study of the Word of God. The apostles and the prophets were the foundation of the church. Well, how do you know that? Well, turn back to Ephesians chapter 2 and look at verse uh, 20. And if you want to, just for good for giggles, back up to verse 19 so we can read the whole sentence in, in its context. Paul writes, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens. Again, we're together, fellow citizens with the saints, and are of God's household. Now notice, God's household. Having been built. Is that present tense or past tense? That's past tense. Please don't miss this. Having been built in the past on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And notice this. This is of the utmost importance. Christ Himself being what? The cornerstone. Do you know the cornerstone was the last stone laid in order to square the foundation? And when that cornerstone was laid, guess what happened to the foundation? It was done. Right? Now, if you had problems, you go back and relay it. But that's not the goal, obviously. And I know because we live in, in, in uh, southeast gumbo area here, right, that our foundations shift and we get cracks and all of those things. But the goal is to lay a foundation one time. Amen? And that's what God has done. God doesn't, He does not make mistakes. Amen? And so He laid the foundation of the church, the apostles and prophets being the foundation, with Jesus Christ being the cornerstone. He squared it all up so that foundation work is done. Amen? 
There are no apostles and prophets of that order today. And so, then we see, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Now, there's a lot of fours here, a lot of fours, and that's the point. It's building and pointing to a goal. And we're going to talk about that goal in just a second. But notice some as evangelists, some as pastors, teachers. The and between pastor and teacher that may be in your English translation, like it is in mine, is not in the Greek that's written here. So the ideal is that there is an and before every one of these other titles except for teachers. Pastor-teacher is one role, one ministry, one office. Amen? Just understand that that and is not there. So God gave apostles and prophets. And then He gave and evangelists, thirdly, and pastor-teachers. That's how He gave. The ideal of an evangelist and a pastor-teacher today, those roles are still with us and necessary for the church. They are still with us. Now, it may not be necessarily that someone has the, um, the title of, you know, Sister Bertha Evangelist, whatever, right? Or, or Brother, you know, Bob Evangelist. But the role is absolutely essential because the gospel must go out into new places. Along with that ideal is the ideal of an apostle of the church, one that gets sent out. So, prophet, pastor. Now, apostle, I'm sorry, apostle, um, sent one, evangelist now. Does that make sense? Those are the more permanent roles that we find here. We don't have an apostle of Christ and we don't have... Uh, prophets of like we had in the first century. Those offices are gone because the foundation has been laid. And you're saying you have belabored at that point for so long because it's necessary. We have to understand that pastors and evangelists are the ones now that are in the roles that God has provided for the church today. For the church today. Until Christ returns. So again, Ephesians was written around 61 A.D. The cornerstone had been set. That was Jesus when He came, lived, uh, was crucified, right? Dead, buried, rose again, ascended into heaven. Now the church is coordinated, if you will, by pastors, teachers, and then also evangelists. So the pastor, teacher, that's also an elder. An elder, a shepherd, the pastor. The pastor brings with it the ideal of the shepherd. But uh, the word bishop just means a leader in the church. All of those words are used interchangeably in the New Testament. There's no separate office of bishop. I mean, I don't get to elevate to the role of bishop and be over so many churches, right? That's not the ideal. That's my puffed up look, if you haven't noticed. I'm not big, so I have to, I have to act like that. But um, I'm not tall. Let me put it that way. I guess I am a little bigger than I used to be, but I'm not tall. Okay, so. Um, but pastor, shepherd, teacher, elder, Bishop, all of those ideals are used interchangeably of the same, same office, same role of pastor-teacher. And so that's what we have here as the church. And we have not just me, right? I'm considered, I guess, um, old school, I guess we'd say senior pastor, right? But I'm just an elder here. And I'm the teaching elder primarily. But we have other elders that teach as well. But we are all over this body by biblical command from Christ. Amen? And so we're responsible. Does that mean we're more important than any other member? No, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. In fact, just the elders can't take care of the church. We just can't. We're not equipped to do that. It takes all of us together. 
But our role is to guide, to graze the sheep, right? To guard the sheep from wolves, from false teachers, false apostles, false prophets. And they are a plenty. I just saw this week there is a false uh, teacher, maybe false prophet as well, coming to um, the Golden Triangle here just in a few days, maybe this next weekend. His name is Greg Locke. And I'll go on record and say he is unqualified for the ministry. Uh, he has moral and theological issues that have disqualified him from service. And some of our area churches are bringing him in for a great revival. Now, I think we learned a little bit uh, two weeks ago that we don't schedule revival. Amen? The Bible does not teach us to schedule a revival. So there's another error. I don't say that to be ugly, but it's our duty to warn and to protect. And he is a false prophet. He is a wolf in sheep's clothing that has disqualified himself theologically and morally. And all of that information is available to you with a simple Google search. We have to be protective of the body. Amen? And so we then, as elders, we help to lead, we help to feed, and we help to heed the warnings that are coming in and then again protect the body of Christ. But here's what I want us to know. When pastors do what they're called to do and members do what they are called to do, then according to this passage that we're fixing to break down very quickly, our gifts lead to growth in the body of Christ. And there's six areas in which we grow. And so we're going to look at those quickly together now. Number one, look at verse 12. What's it for? To the building up of the body of Christ or for the building up of the body of Christ. That's the goal. Maturity of the body of Christ. The building up. So number one, when we're all doing what we're supposed to do and all serving together, the body is built up. Amen? And that's the goal. Not to say, whoo, we've got so many people here now. But the goal is that we're maturing disciples. So to mature disciples, we have to make disciples. And so where there's spiritual growth in life, we should be then charged up to go out into the world and preach the gospel to people. Amen? And guess whose job that is? All of our jobs. It's all of our jobs. Amen? To go out. It's not just the pastor's job. You know, none of you guys do this, and thank God. I've been in places where someone will say, Hey, uh, Brother Kevin, uh, my friend really needs Jesus. Will you go talk to him? And sometimes I will, but my answer primarily is this. I don't know your friend. You know your friend. And God put you in that position so that you can minister the gospel to him or to her. Amen? We all walk in different circles. And so, yeah, I could come alongside you and help you maybe. Uh, give you some tools that may help you. Um, you. You know what the best way to start a conversation talking to someone about Jesus is? And there's all sorts of ways. But just to say something, I mean, now write this down. It's profound. You ready? Are you a Christian? And then see what their answer is. Make them define it. Or you could say something a little bolder like this. If you died today, would you go to heaven? And that's worked for years, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Or what are you basing your eternity upon? Are you doing something to earn your position in heaven? Or are you trusting in Christ? Like, well, how do you bring that up into a conversation like this? Hey, Brooks, are you trusting in your works to go to heaven or in Christ? Well, that's awkward. Who cares? Right? We're kind of weird if you haven't noticed anyway, right? Just talk to people about Jesus. They need Jesus. Amen? If they pass away without hearing the gospel, guess what? They perish for an eternity. There's no purgatory. There's no second chance. Amen? 
They need the gospel, and it's all of our responsibility to go out and preach the gospel. But as we do that and bring people into the body of Christ, the church, then the church is built up. And so that's number one. The church needs leaders that God has then given leaders. He's called people into leadership and set them in place of authority in the church. You can read about that in Hebrews 13, uh, verses... 7 and 17, if memory serves primarily. Uh, But that doesn't mean that it's just the leader's responsibility to build the church. We lead, right? We guide, we heed, we feed those things, but it takes all of us being built up together. So where do spiritual gifts come into play? Now we could spend weeks talking about this, but I don't think we need to. The Bible does talk about gifts, but do you realize there's no singular list of spiritual gifts that the Bible gives? In fact, I'm of the opinion that all of the lists together do not tell us what all the giftings are from God. I think the lists are different to help us understand that He gives us all the gifts that are necessary for the church to thrive. Amen? There's no set list that you have to study uh, specifically. Go and look at all of these things and uh, there's no, you don't need the Enneagram, that's demonic. You don't need personality quizzes, right? You don't need any of those things. What we need is a heart that wants to serve God. Amen? A heart that's willing. And God will use us if we're willing. Amen? But I don't know where to serve. Well, the point is that we serve and that we just seek to find out how we can serve. So much of the church today treats spiritual gifts as toys to be played with rather than tools to use for the good of the church and for the growth and for the glory of God. Amen? But they're not. They're not for us. It's meant to be used as a body. And it takes the whole body doing it together in order for us to be healthy. Amen? I want us to get this and to know this because this is going to be our theme for this whole year. And next Sunday, I'm so excited that we're going to be starting verse by verse through Psalm 119. And we're going to see how we are going to be fed by the Word of God. And how the Word of God is our foundation to equip us for every good thing. And we're going to see that, I think, in much detail over the next three and a half months as we make our way through this. Leading right up through Easter. But spiritual gifts are not toys to play with. They are tools to build with. And so the pastor teacher's role, according to verse 12, right there, to the building up of the body, we are to serve and to help the body be built up. That's our goal. Every Christian is gifted and called to ministry. The spiritual gifts are given not for our own sake, but for the good of the whole body. Let me give you two passages to jot down and to spend some time reading through this week. We'll look at them together. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7. One of the places where that spiritual gifts are spoken of. It says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I think back in chapter 2 where we said the grace of God is given in that aspect. I think this is the same idea. God's grace, God's spirit gifts us for the good of the body and the glory of God. It's that simple. It's never about us. Amen. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about us together for God's glory. Romans 12 verse 6. Romans 12 6. And I love this. This is very clear. 
Very clear. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. And again, God saves us by grace through faith. Amen. But he graces gifts upon us. In fact, that's one thing you could call them grace gifts. Amen. And that's what Corinthians talks about. But Romans 12, 6, he says, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, to use them repeatedly accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportions of his faith. And then it goes on from there. But we all are gifted is the point. Amen? Beloved, if you are just a person today, and I don't mean that derogatory, but some of us feel that way sometimes, right? I just go to the church. Folks, listen. You don't just go to this church. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. You are a part of this church. Amen? Amen. If you've been here a few times, you're a part of this church. Amen? Amen? And so we all have a role to play. And the Lord has graced us and given us a role to play. We need to find that role. If you're having trouble, ask someone. You know, just, I mean, ask your neighbor. Neighbor, you know, what can I do? We'll put you to work. Now, don't everybody run up after service and ask me. You'll just overwhelm me. Ask others around you. We are a body together. Now, if I see you doing something that you don't need to be doing in the church, I'll let you know. Okay, other than that, go for it. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Go for it. Don't always stop and wait to ask permission. Serve. Serve. Now, obviously, some things we need to coordinate, right? But just serve. Find a place. So where can I start? Well, here, here's, here's a few words to help you. Investigate, participate, evaluate, and then dedicate, right? And then do what? Cultivate, whatever that is. It looks different for all of us. I like those words. Kind of borrow those from Dr. Harry Reader, the late Dr. Harry Reader. But it's just so good, right? And, and uh, I want to get my big preacher voice when I say them, but I don't have a big preacher voice. So just look at them again. We need to investigate how God has gifted us to serve. We all, are you a Christian? Then you're gifted. Amen? But I don't know what it is. Well, investigate it. Participate in ministry. Try something out. See a need and just jump in and start helping. Evaluate how you're doing. And, and, and you know, let's just say, this is a bad example probably, but let's say you're doing something that involves other people. If everyone else stops while you're doing it, you're probably not doing the best job maybe, Right? And so just evaluate and don't get upset. Just think, okay, maybe they see something that I don't. Ask them. Amen? We're a family here. And then dedicate yourself to being a service to the church and to God. And then cultivate that gift. Whatever God has given you to do, cultivate it. Water it, right? Feed it so that it grows. Look at verse 13. How long do we do this for? Until we're tired? No. How many of you would say you're tired? I, I'm kind of worn out. This is, in fact, this weekend has been a little tiring. But, but ministry is hard. It's hard. Um, Mark and I were trying to do something yesterday, and some different things were happening all throughout the day. And, and I was drugged in several different directions. And then began, others got involved, and we were beginning to try to share some of that load. But, uh, you know, Mark was kind of just left holding the screwdriver and the electrical wire yesterday. Thank you, brother, for that. But he came just to help and to minister and to serve. But we get pulled in so many different directions sometimes. That's why this is not my show. This is our show. For, not for our um, prestige, but for the glory of God. Amen. We perform for Him. He is the audience of one. Amen. Amen. Have I worn you out already? What time is it? 
You just seem so... Have I hurt you? Are your toes hurting? You okay? All right. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say this with a smile, mostly. Are you guys okay up there? I can't step on your toes, but I guess I could throw something at you if I need to. Are you okay? All right, well, let's, let's dig in here. Look, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. How long do we serve Christ? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. How long do I serve in this role? Until we all attain to the unity of faith. Or until you drop dead, I guess. That's a, that's a good escape, right? Or we're replicating ourselves in others. We're helping bring others alongside and training them, amen? And showing them how they can get involved. Uh, a mentor and a mentee kind of relationship. But we do that until we attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now what we need to see is verses 11, 12, and 13, they all go together and they build. I mean, this is all about those fours and those twos and those entails. It doesn't stop today. It won't stop tomorrow because we will not all have the unity of the faith today or tomorrow. Amen? But we work towards it. And that's our goal as a church, to equip one another so that we continue to have unity, renewal, maturity, and stability in all of those things that go with it. So, number two, when we do this, when the body is built up, we will experience unity. That's what we see. And that word attain there in verse 13, the word attain refers to, um, it, it referred to travelers, tra- you know, traveling. That's what travelers do, obviously. But as someone's traveling, when they finally reach their goal, they attain their goal. Like one year, we had to make a delivery. It's going to sound funny, but let me go ahead and say it. We had to deliver something out to Las Vegas. This was about uh, 21 years ago. We were making a delivery out to Las Vegas. Now, what it was, it was furniture, okay? It just sounds so like, why are you going to Vegas? Well, to deliver furniture for my brother's um, uh, job back at the time. He had a huge job out there. He was going to fly. We delivered. So on our way there, we got on to Route 66 as quickly as we could. I always wanted to be on it. I had only just kind of briefly been on it, going on ski trips back in years and years ago. But we got on it, and we made our way. I even got to stop. I believe it's in Arizona um, at that old barber shop. That guy, he had the longest-running barber shop in America. And I cannot remember his name now, but we stopped there, got photographs with him, uh, had some postcards and those things. But that was the place. Well, that was one of two places. Can I just tell you a little bit more how weird I am? You okay? You ready? You ready for this? We went through Roswell, New Mexico on the way too, because I want to see all the alien stuff. There's no such thing as that kind of alien, obviously, but it's interesting and fun to me. I know I've told you I'm a geek in that way. I like the X-Files, all that sort of stuff. But we made our way through there and saw all the little greens and gray men, right? Um, Anyway, that's nonsense. But that was two destinations I wanted to make sure we hit on our way to Vegas. And we did it. We attained to our goal of hitting those places. And then we finally attained to the goal of Vegas, all right? And... I did not put any money in any slot machines. Just throwing that out there. Now, Madison was two or three, and she was on my hip while we were waiting on Becky to come out of the restroom at one point. And you know where the restrooms are in Vegas? Do y'all know? 
Yeah, look, some of y'all know. Some of y'all been there. You don't have to say anything else, but I can tell by the look of some of your faces. They're right in the heart of the casinos. That's where all the bathrooms are. So uh, I'm standing there, and there's all these machines, and I'm looking, and of course the lights are pretty, and you know how my, my brain works. I'm going, ooh, that's pretty. I wonder what kind of sounds it makes. But I'm standing there holding Madison, and she's like, Daddy, play the game. Well, uh, it's not a game, so I wasn't going to play it in that regard. But anyway, I did not do that. But we reached our goal. We attained to what we set out to do. And that's the goal of the church. Not Vegas, right? Not Roswell. Not the barbershop in Arizona. Our goal as a church is unity in the faith. A knowledge, a full knowledge of the Son of God. Mature Christians in Christ. To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. None of us are there yet. But we are reaching for that. So we experience unity. We experience unity. As we are all growing to become more like Jesus, what happens? We become more like Jesus. And we become more like each other in that regard. It's the same illustration that I use. And I'm not saying it's original to me, but I can't tell you where I learned it. I know Cora uses it in her counseling as well and others. But think about a triangle for a second. Nothing new agey, nothing mystical, no witchcraft. Think about the shape of a triangle. Just the shape, okay? When you put God at the top, that should be my goal as a husband. Amen? Amen? You put God at the top, that should be your goal as a wife, ladies. Amen? And so as the husband on this corner, the wife on this corner, as we're reaching to become more like Christ, we are actually growing closer together. We're being unified. Does that make sense? In the church, the same picture works. We, as we become more like Jesus, we are growing together and we are experiencing unity. So we attain the goal. Number three, we'll have a renewed relationship with Christ. That's that ideal. And the knowledge of the Son of God. And the ideal here, again, is a full knowledge, complete. I don't have it. I don't have it. I've been studying Scripture since I was 18 years old. I've been in ministry since I was 19 years old. But I don't have that. I learn every single day. And some of you teach me. Praise God. Amen. We're all growing and learning and becoming. So there's unity. There's a renewal in our relationship. Do you know last year, I believe it was February of 23, a, a church health group, uh, which I don't always appreciate all of their findings, but they did a study called Follow Me. And this study showed that the number one factor in moving people deeper in their walk with Jesus, maturing them, you know what that number one factor was? Whether or not they served in the church. If they had some role in which they served. It kind of blew my mind for a minute. But it reminded me of things I learned way back when in seminary even. And it was the same findings back in the 90s, the mid-90s, early 2000s. Same thing. If people just come and sit, eventually they're not coming and sitting any longer. But if we get plugged in... If we serve, then we begin to grow and mature. So we'll have this renewed relationship with Christ. We'll have this unity, number two, with others. Number three, that renewed relationship. Fourthly, we'll have a mature membership. And again, we're growing to a mature man. And don't think that's sexist, right? That's not the ideal. We, as people, grow and mature, and all of us together grow to maturity, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now, I heard about this little girl, 
And some of us are like her. She had been trying for months to tie her own shoes. How many of you are still trying to tie your shoes? You good, Sarah? You got it? Okay. No, I'm just picking. James, you good? Okay. All right. So we're, she was trying to learn to grow her shoes, and her daddy had been helping her, but she finally figured it out. And as soon as she had figured it out and got it done all by herself, she just burst out in tears and started crying. All right. I mean, she was just bawling. And her dad said, the little girl's name, well, I'm not going to say her name because she might be in this church. She's not. I'm just playing. I'm just seeing who would, who would like get their eyes and start looking around. But she was bawling. And her dad said, what is the matter? And she was sad. And so she replied to her dad. She said, I'm upset because I will have to tie my shoes all by myself for the rest of my life. Meaning her dad was not going to help her anymore. Folks, some of us are like that. And we don't want to get involved and, and start doing something because we think, I'm going to be left out here all by myself doing it. But folks, you're not alone. Amen? And we're always going to be there to help. I learned how to tie my shoes a long time ago. I mean, like three weeks ago. I mean, it's been a long time. Now, I learned how to tie my shoes a long time ago. But do you know there have been days when my wife has had to tie my shoes for me because of health things? I didn't bust out in tears. I mean, sometimes when I bend over and try to do it myself, that's painful. But I haven't busted out in tears yet. But she's helped me. That's what we do, amen? We help one another. We're not alone in the church. We're not alone. We're growing. And so we will have this mature membership. We all begin to grow together. But that means that we are, in fact, growing individually. And so here's a quick test. And this may be in your, your outline. How many of you are giving, and it is in your outline, inside, bottom of the page. How many of you are growing in the amount of time that you spend with Jesus? The amount of time you spend with the Lord. Your time spending with Him growing in your walk with Him. Spending time with Him serving Him in the body of Christ. How many of you are growing in the use of your talents unto the Lord? Whether they be natural talents that come from God. Amen. When we were born, we didn't push any buttons and say, I want to sing and I want to dance and I want to high jump. I mean, um, none of us got to pick those buttons and choose. Even the physical, natural abilities that we have are gifts from God. Amen? So how many of you use those things for the glory of God? Your spiritual gifts, how God's wired you. Are you using your giftedness to glorify God and to better the church? Your time, your talents, and then what about your treasures? And I said treasures and not just money because we have other types of treasure. We have retirement plans. How many of you have thought about using your retirement plan for the glory of God? Leaving an inheritance is a good godly thing. But leaving an inheritance for the work of God is also a godly thing. How many of us have considered that? Maybe a few of us since we heard uh, the church shield presentation, right? Uh, Dr. Frank Harbour a couple weeks back. But folks, do you realize that some people give unto the work of the Lord and so that after their death, do you realize they're still giving and contributing to the ministry of God? Now, I'm not just asking. That's not, this isn't a, a push. All the church wants is your money. I'm not saying that. But how we spend our money absolutely is an indictment of where our heart is. Amen? And that's true. That's true. No matter how mature we are in Christ, our checkbook will show the reality. Or how much, no matter how mature we think we are in Christ. Are we given of our treasures? Using our homes to share the gospel. To help mature others. Inviting people over and having good fellowship and conversation. Are we using the things God has blessed us with? Using our skills of electrical work like Mark did. Or, or whatever it might be that so many others of us do. 
We don't do it for attention or for reward, right? We do it to serve. Are you doing that wholeheartedly? If you want to grow, then if I want to grow, then we have to give what has been given to us by Christ. We have to share it with other people. We have to share it. Lastly, we will experience, or no, it's not lastly, I'm sorry. Number five, we'll experience spiritual stability. Verse 14, as a result, we will no longer be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. This isn't an indictment against children, obviously. I mean, God, Jesus himself said, uh, let the little children come for such as, you know, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. That's great. But one thing we do know about children is you can trick them pretty easy, right? All right? I mean, some of you are looking at me like you don't understand, but I know some of you have played tricks on your kids before. I can see the glint in your eye, right? That's, that's our right as parents to do that. That's, that's fun. Amen? We have, we have that right to do. Uh, our uncles and aunts, I mean, that's even more your prerogative as an aunt or uncle. But folks, the ideal is that children can be deceived, tossed about, right? You can say, hey, touch the stove. It feels great. And a little kid will touch the stove thinking it feels great. That would be a horrible thing to do, obviously. But children are easily misled in that regard. We don't want to be children like that. We want to grow and mature and have wisdom and not be carried away by all the new flashy doctrines. And there are so many things that get thrown around. All these new discoveries, it seems like. We're going to go back to the ancient texts. Well, guess what? Those texts weren't really Christian to begin with. For instance, that's just one area. Some of those things that people dive into. Some of that stuff. You've got all these different movements. We need to be very careful. We want to be stable in our walk with Christ. And you know how that comes together? As we follow the script, as Brother Chuck said earlier, this is a good prescription for us to be mature and unified. And so when we all hold our own in our studies, when we grow and we walk and when we serve, we mature together. And that brings us to this last point. We'll be linked together in love. And folks, I, I just can't help but think about 1 Corinthians chapters um, 12 through 14 in the midst of when Paul's talking about spiritual gifts. He throws in, it's not like a side topic. He's not... Um, you know, chasing a, a rabbit trail per se. He's not even uh, getting off course and getting lost in his thinking by teaching about love in chapter 13. Love roots all of this together. It holds all this together. Amen? So we don't get puffed up and prideful. We serve one another in love. And that's what verses 15 and 16 say here. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up, mature in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. Guess what? You're a joint. I'm a joint. Don't read drug culture into that from the 70s, okay? But we are all part of this together. And so what every joint supplies being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. It causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Now let me ask you a hard question. Are you? Well, let's ask an easier question first. Do you know someone that you would say, maybe this person comes to mind, seems to build themselves up for themselves? You don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever known somebody like that? I have in ministry. I have. Have you? Now, here's the harder question. 
Are you ever guilty of building yourself up, not in love, but for the good and glory of yourself? Anyone? I've been guilty of that in the past. I pray I'm not again, but I have. I confess. When we study to know more than someone else, that's pride and that's a problem. Amen? But when I study to give to you or when you study to give to others or to me, when we're doing it and maturing for those reasons, it's helping the body. Amen? We have to be careful. We have to be careful. We have to always check our hearts. Do I sing? Here, I'll pick on Isaiah for a second. Isaiah was leading a couple of the songs, him and Macy today. Brandon's out of town today. But when we sing, do we sing for the applause of these people? And I know y'all don't, which is why I'm picking on y'all today. But do we sing for the applause of the crowd or do we sing for the glory of God? Do we use those gifts? Am I moving chairs around or grabbing a vacuum cleaner? Eric grabbed a vacuum cleaner this morning. Did Eric, wherever he went, I lost him. Okay, there you are. Eric, I'm going to ask you, did you grab that vacuum cleaner so that people would say, look at Eric, look at him cleaning. What a guy. The answer is no, he did not. There was dirt on the floor. And it bugs us, right, when there's dirt on the floor. When we, and there's all of you. I could, I could name so many of you right now. But do you, you, you see the point? We serve for the glory of God and for the good of the people. And we're linked in love. We're all growing together. All growing together. And folks, listen. If we want to grow in love as a church, then we have to serve as a church together. And we all have different roles. We may not all be up here, right? Or back there, you know, we may not all be in the limelight. But we absolutely are all essential. Amen? And if you don't feel like you're essential, please hear the words of my mouth. Okay? You're essential. And we need to all work together. So remember, what needs to be done? Look around. Start there. Investigate, participate, evaluate, dedicate. Amen? And finally, cultivate that so that it it grows for the glory of God. I want to share something with you. And it's going to be embarrassing. But do you remember Barney? Not Barney Fife, okay? That's a good Barney. But do you remember that purple thing, that dinosaur? Oh, man. When my sister had, she's the oldest, I'll remember. She looks younger than me, I know, but she's the oldest. When she had her first child, Kelsey, when she had her first child, uh, as Kelsey began to, to grow a little bit, she used to watch, she watched Barney all the time. And I remember when my dad and my mom would watch her and uh, he'd be carrying her around. They were so proud of, you know, their first grandchild. He's carrying her around and uh, he's trying to get her distracted from Barney. All right, because I don't know if you know this, but Barney was an annoying dinosaur. How many of you remember? He was annoying. It was a children's show. Uh, I don't know if y'all had Barney. Did y'all have Barney Louie over in South Africa? Louie does not. Barney was a children's show. Uh, he, he, he was a big purple dinosaur. And he, I'm sorry, he kind of sounded like this. He just kind of, I'm sorry. He was so goofy. And it just, it was, that was pretty good though, I have to admit. Uh, oh, uh, I'm really, my face getting red, I'm getting embarrassed now. Uh, and that's, re, that's streaming, I'm so embarrassed. But that's kind of what he sounded like. Jason, you, you remember Barney? Okay, all right. Horrible, horrible kid show. Uh, but she wanted to watch Barney all the time. You got to give me a second. Oh my goodness. Uh, and he had these little bitty hands, it just was not right. It just wasn't right. Uh, he would move around. Uh, whew. But she wanted to see Barney all the time. He'd say, how about we watch this? And she'd say, how about Barney, Paul? She was always bringing him back to Barney. And so he would go put on Barney because that's what a good Paul does. Amen? And so 
She would always watch Barney. Well, I used to swear to her. And he shouldn't do that, obviously. But I was, I was young and brash, probably prideful too, you know. And I was like, my kids will never watch Barney. And Hart used to just sit back there and just kind of smile and laugh. He's much wiser than I was, much wiser than I am now still. And uh, he's looking like, yeah, you just wait. And sure enough, you know, what happened when Madison, our firstborn, uh, began to get into that three, four-year-old Barney's on TV. And it was horrible still then. And in fact, I think it was worse then because Barney was getting more hip and modern. And that was just a horrible recipe for a purple dinosaur. But anyway, he had that theme song. And you're thinking it right now, aren't you, if you've seen this. All right, sing it with me. Okay? I'm not going to do the Barney voice. I'm not going to do it, Gavin. But I love you. You love me. Happy family. Now stop there, please. Okay, please stop. That's enough. That's enough. That was the Barney song. All right? I just can't express to you how painful it has been, even just thinking about it this week. But Natalie, I'm telling you, all this week in looking back through this, the Barney song kept coming to my mind. And here's why. I need you and you need me. Every member ministry. And I know that's weird, okay? But I'm, that's a long way around getting to that point. But that has been in my head all week long. Wednesday and Thursday... Um, Becky and I and Corey and Brent made a trip out to Quest just to kind of peruse and make sure that we were going to be ready for camp this summer. And I'm sitting there when the conversation lulled, that's in my mind. I love you. Uh, you know, I need you. You need me. I'm thinking, oh, por qué? Why, Lord, why? But it's true. But it's true, amen? We need each other. And that's the, the, way, that, that's the way God designed this body to be, amen? To need one another. So, are you serving? Are you ministering to other people? If not, why not? And how about we get started today? Amen? Let's pray together. Father, Lord, I thank you. And I pray that through what seems like comedy relief here, Lord, that you know that's not my intent. But God, I pray that through that, that the Word of God will resonate clearly in our hearts and our minds. That every member is to be involved in ministry. And we do so for your glory and for the good of this body. So that the church is built up to maturity. We become like Jesus. So use us, Lord God. And it's true. We absolutely all need you. But we need each other. We need each other, Lord. I need this body. This body needs each other. And, and we all need one another, Lord God. And so I pray you help us to remember that. And may we do the serving not for our good, not for our recognition, but for the good of one another and for your glory. We pray in Christ Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen.